Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm here with architect Dom Serantonio. Is that the... That's right. Good um, morning, Stephen. And he's a director and co- or co-director with architect Chris Stribley and they're directors of Sarah Stribley. For a relatively short period, I mean, they were established in 2014, so we're only looking at six years ago, they've really established quite um, an impressive CV of work. So welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, Happy to be here. Dom, you obviously worked for a number of other architectural practices before you decided. Yep. Actually, I actually only worked for one. Oh, yep. you can mention it. Bruce Henderson Architects. Oh, okay. Yeah. And why did you want to start your own practice? Is it just something that every architect wants to um, do? Or? I think it was always a, a dream growing up to do it. Um, and... I mean, there was a there was a funny lunch that Chris and I had one day, and we said that we're probably going to either start our own company together or go off and do something completely different. Because it got to a point, I think, you know, after you've been working in a firm for five to ten years, you start to, you know, hit a, hit a, hit a bit of a road or yeah. you know, fork in the road. Um, so we decided to take that leap of faith, and it was yeah. It's been an exciting journey thus far. <laughs> um, I mean, look, you now have about 40 staff, is yep. that right? So that's, that's right. quite large. Yep. Um, offices interstate as well or just No, in just Melbourne? in Melbourne at this stage. And is it something that you're eager to pursue interstate or you'd rather just yeah. focus on Melbourne at this stage? I think so, but um, look, to be honest, in terms of how we think about the practice in the future, it's probably not... It's not something we really think about. It's more about the present and what we're doing. We're just trying to do a good job of the jobs we've got and taking each job as they come. If something does present itself in the future for that opportunity, then I'm sure we'd take it. Um, Now, you met Chris at university, correct? Yes, that's right. First class. (laughs) We sat next to each other in our first class together. So what was the synergy? Well, was Um, it just the same way of thinking? Not sure. I think we had similar upbringings and had similar interests probably outside of uni that, that... that I, I suppose was the, were the foundations of a good friendship, and we um, did the entire course together and, and, and stayed friends after after uni. Uh, we did go our separate ways a little bit, but kept in contact. We always did talk about starting a company, and it was always, you know, I oh, will do it one day. We'll do it one day, and it probably wasn't until that lunch that I spoke about that it actually became something legitimate and something serious. And uh, it then took probably six months of planning, um, but eventually we. You know, we put down the business name and the company name, and what I mean from the outset, you know, it's easy to say, "Look, I just want to start a practice." Yeah. What was the, you know, the idea to start with? I mean, how did you see yourself differing from other architectural practices? Um, I think at the time there seemed to be, uh, I think at the time it was two thousand and fourteen, there was a lot of um, investment product out there in terms of design so it was very much get it done you know and, and churn them out and there was a lot of projects that were being built as well that weren't exactly of the highest quality uh, I came from a multi-residential background in terms of what I was doing at the time and Chris came from a high-end residential background which, which is what he was doing at Robert Mills Architects um, we probably felt there was an opportunity to actually do multi-res at a better standard, standard. Um, and so we thought, you know, why not bring those two skill sets together and, and try and bring something new into the market. And at the time, there wasn't really anyone that was doing high-end multi-res projects. Um, so What was the first project that you well, we're funnily enough, funnily enough we, we started off doing high-end houses. Well, yeah. no, I wouldn't say high-end, but, 
you know, highly specced houses and renovations just to get yeah. get off. And then we also did some 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 larger multi-res projects that probably weren't exactly high end, um, but we did learn a lot from those projects. Yeah. It probably wasn't until yeah, it was probably wasn't isn't it probably wasn't until um, two or three years ago when I think the government introduced the better apartment standards and there was some changes, some legislative changes to lending and stamp duty concessions that I think the market changed and now... People looking for something better. Well, I think the investment market has gone. I think um, we can't really do those re- those really small investment product apartments anymore um, because of the standards and the guidelines, which is probably a good thing. Um, which has enabled us to really flourish in a market that's really now starting to really change the way apartments are designed. What are people looking for now and who's do you think are your target market? Well, I, I, was, I was at a, a project launch last night and I was having this exact discussion. Um, I think for the last couple of years we've spoken about luxury apartments as only being suitable to downsizers. I think that's completely changing. Um, I actually wrote an article last week about right sizes, and and what that is 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 that there's a younger generation, a new breed of buyer or apartment buyers that, um, you know, that they might be double income, no kids, they might have you know, young entrepreneurs or, or very busy, you know, very busy people that don't necessarily want the maintenance of a large home. Mm. Um, they want something new. They want something big. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that have lived overseas in New York, Chicago, London that have seen that apartment living is can be suitable for for families, um, and I think that that kind of that thought is, is it's starting to change the way we think about living in Melbourne, um, and you're starting to see it. So that different and buyer and target is changing. So size is increasing. Size is increasing. I think. Um, Flexibility within the apartments, from a design perspective, is, is coming in more more so. I think what we're about to see, and it hasn't probably happened yet, but it's about to, is um, up until now we've probably only seen common amenities in large developments, so gyms, pools, um, saunas, spas, you know, uh, all these facilities, you know, large storage areas. You probably only get them in the bigger developments where um, the economics of it can support those type of facilities I think now uh, more boutique developments are probably going to start seeing that type of amenity to separate themselves from the rest because people want that flexibility you know they want the amenity of a large home in their apartment development so is it um, Dom is it I mean I come from living in an apartment we didn't have any amenities Um, but then there's the other side of the picture where people don't want those amenities because it kind of adds to the body corporate yep. fees considerably, yep. like swimming pools. And this is... Exactly. And this is where I think the market is changing. So in terms of the boutique... And, and this is only relevant really to those more boutique, high-end type luxury developments um, where... And this is what I'm talking about, where the economics can support it. So if people are happy to pay a little bit more for their apartment because there's one less apartment in the development because that apartment's been taking up for common facilities, then the price tag goes up. Uh, yes, they're going to be paying a little bit more for body the body corporate, but on the flip side, they're getting the lifestyle experience that they are looking for. So it's not suitable for everyone, but I think that type of product is going to be a new product in the market. And, um, uh, Dom, where are areas you see as the growth areas? Because they keep changing. I mean, Collingwood's had quite a 
growth spurt in apartments mm-hmm. in recent times. I mean, there's been a lot of developers yes. who have really, I mean, Milieu has been very yep. instrumental in changing that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Near Metro. Yeah. Where are the areas you see are kind of waiting to be developed? Uh, I don't want to make people scared out there because yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are, are resisting that. I, I, I'd probably say the move has probably gone, and if you go back 10, it's, it's kind of moved around. It seems to have moved around Richmond, Abbotsford, Collingwood, Fitzroy, and it's probably going towards Brunswick now um, and even Brunswick East and West, even north around that area, around that Sydney Road area I think will be the Maybe next. Maybe to Thornbury. Yeah, yeah, North Thornbury as well. That those northern suburbs, I think, are starting to that you'll you'll see that next level of development occur there. Um, I also think there'll be a, a big push in North Melbourne and Kensington, um, just given the the train line or the the domain the, interchange. The, the, the interchange which is happening in North Melbourne. There's also, um, I think, a huge redevelopment around the Macaulay Road precinct in both North Melbourne and Kensington. Uh, you've got a large kind of industrial warehouse buildings that have all been rezoned. So, and given the proximity to the city, I mean, it's literally two stops. So, yeah. I think that area will see some significant change in the next ten years. Do you find generally, you know, because you're working on a number of apartment yep. developments, do you find people are warming to apartments if they're well designed, or is there still that resistance? I still think I still think there's a stigma, um, but um, you know, unfortunately. The cost of, of housing is so high that I, I think a lot of people don't really have that choice anymore, mm. um, you know, for better or for worse. I mean, I'm not here to judge, but um, I think that affordability is a major issue in Australia, obviously in Sydney and Melbourne, um, which is probably forcing a lot of people into into diversified living. So whether that's townhouses or whether mm. that's apartments, um, that's clearly something that's happening and has been happening I, for a, number, a, a while now. Um, Chris, you mentioned townhouses, and that's an interesting area because I think um, it's been an area that's really only now coming into focus. Yep. And people are, um, you know, empty nesters have moved from a large family mm. home. They don't particularly want to go into an apartment. Yep. The townhouse has gone almost like the, the transition Correct. Period, yep. um, and so there has been really quite a strong move to townhouses. There Are has. you doing any at the yeah, moment? Look, there there has. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I actually think there's been a little bit of a shift away from from townhouses, and I'll explain why. Um, one is the cost of the townhouse now is yeah. so high yeah. that it, it's almost the equivalent of a of a standard house, standalone house. So. From a market perspective, purchases, potential purchasers look at it and go, well, if I'm paying $2 million for this townhouse, I can afford a house on its own for the same price. So that's one issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that previously, you know, if you, say, if you go back two years ago, before we had a small downturn in, in the residential market, you know, if you townhouses would sit in the middle of, say, a, a, a typical residential home and an apartment, it was that middle bracket. And now you think it's going more towards well, the home price? I think you had the single house drop slightly. I mean, they, there's been a 5 to 10% drop over the last probably two years. Mm. It's starting to pick up now. but uh, And then we were seeing an increase in prices from apartments and townhouses. So once the townhouse and the residential houses gap closed, 
people started to question, well, why am I buying the townhouse? The other issue with, um, I suppose, downsizers moving into townhouses is typically townhouses exist over two and three levels, potentially even four if you've got a basement. So the thought of climbing up and down stairs is, is not a great one. Um, so typically, still. So you think people are going from the large house to apartment to a larger apartment, larger apartment, exactly. And and the reality is, uh, anyone that moves into a, a three level townhouse now, there's an expectation. There's a lift. So in all the townhouse developments that we're looking at, um, even smaller ones that aren't necessarily targeted at, at downsizers, we're putting small residential lifts in, which you know is mm-hmm. seems like an unfathomable position, but it's actually a reality. But given that, you know, you're doing these things to make it easier, do you Mm. still find who's buying these townhouses? Everyone. It really really does vary. It's not just downsizers. And are you working on some at the moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and we've even, um, we've got uh, eight beautiful townhouses in queue being built at the moment. Um, We did two options, one with a lift and one without, and those lifts were offered as a purchaser upgrade. I believe in seven of the eight, uh, the option was taken. Yeah. You know, so that just shows you where the market's at. People yeah. are really. But want- I suppose that the thing is, it's not just the monetary aspect. Like, yes, um, townhouses might be have risen to the to the same level yeah. or getting closer to mm-hmm. houses, but isn't it just the low maintenance factor and that people want Absolutely. that greenery around them? Yep, because there is quite a. You know, to go from a large family home, wherever it is, or even a modest family home, to an apartment actually takes a lot of adjusting. Oh, it's completely different. And I think that's why, if I go back to my comments earlier about providing the amenity within the development, that's, you know, we're even going to the extent of offering lock-up garages within a basement, you know, and, and then having direct access from that garage into your apartment. Oh, I see. So, so we're really trying to tap into all the little bits and pieces that you would typically expect to see in a tip, you know, a standard residential home. Yeah. Um, if we can try and get a number of those those little features into a, you know, an apartment development, it, it actually goes a lot. It's about for people feeling comfortable and, yeah. you know, just trying to better the way they experience their their living. Yeah. Um, so I know, and I think it's I still think I mean this is an ever changing space and we're always yeah. trying to improve every every project is probably an evolution of, of those ideas so um, you know I would love to see more of that as we as we continue to develop now the other thing I know you're working on a development in queue with Tom Dixon yes so that's a really exciting project yes how yes. did that come about because he's kind of a big name in the design world yeah well we um, we started this project oh, about 18 months ago now, maybe a bit longer. Uh, no, yeah, about 18 months ago, and it was actually a little design competition, so that was us and another firm. And but you had to submit to Tom? Or? No, no, no. So the developer um, was really keen on getting a really great outcome from an architectural and design perspective. So um, the developer went to two, two firms in Melbourne and, and asked if we wanted to, to compete in a small competition. So we put down some design ideas and we were fortunate enough to, to win and were, was awarded the job for it, which was great. Um, we eventually uh, received a permit uh, in, I think it was June last year. And um, I sat down and had a discussion with the client about the, the interiors and how we're going to go about it. Um, and the client really wanted to push for something more than the standard, you know, how do we create something that is truly something amazing, something beautiful? Um, we've got this um, because of the way the building has been designed. We've actually designed it with a, a two-core arrangement, so 
what it means is, well, what it allowed for was every apartment to have a dual aspect, which is something really unique. We don't yeah. typically – a lot of apartments have one aspect, which is probably a shame. Yeah. It doesn't allow for great solar access or cross-ventilation. So uh, one of the key features of the design was having dual aspects to every single apartment. Now, what it meant was we have two cores and we had quite a large lobby, which, again, for a boutique development, you don't really get to see. We wanted that lobby space to be amazing and we thought, why don't we, we, we use lighting to actually activate the space. And so we, Tom Dixon light? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we, we approached Tom's office and, and asked if they would like to they be would involved. Because obvious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they were really happy to and they um, actually, we actually thought, well, you know, maybe not just do a lighting or you can buy a light from Tom's office. Maybe let's get them involved in, in, in the interior design as well. So they actually worked with us on a few features of the apartments. So uh, Tom's, not only is there's Tom Dixon Studio, which is his lighting company, but there's also Design Research Studio, uh, which is his uh, interior design firm, which he's the creative director of. So we work with them in coming up with a few ideas. Um, that project is one of the f- probably first projects we've actually been able to test that common facility that I, I spoke about mm-hmm. earlier. Um, on the in one of the lower levels we've got a, a common lounge and these large storage units that can be customised to yeah. the purchaser's wants and needs which is just offering something again that's a little bit different and I guess separating the offering from other other projects um, Now Dom I've also noticed you're doing quite a lot of because I live in the area yep. <laughs> um, contemporary homes or yes. obviously contemporary yep. around the South Yarra area yep. and it's interesting how architects kind of get into a little spot and yep. then their shingle goes up everywhere yep. but I'm seeing a lot of your shingles in that mm-hmm. part of Melbourne. What is it about South Yarra that I, that has kind of attracted people to ring you and say yes? Or is it Was it the house in Caroline Street that kind of set something off? Probably but we, we I mean that that is a beautiful house and we're really proud of that one. Um, I think I've actually worked. I worked in South Yarra and, and Paran my entire life. It's where I've been. That's where I've practiced practiced architecture. Um, our office is local. I think that that plays a large part. And I think once once um, I think South Yarra in that pocket that we're talking about, it's it's quite a dense area, and I think um, it's a it does take a certain expertise to be able to handle those type of projects. Um, I think once you you do a project in the area, everybody sees it and they say, "Okay, well, you know, they, they, they've got experience in the area. They know how to manage the council of or that you know particular authority." So there seems to be a level of confidence in in a particular firm. So maybe it's that, but um, I, I don't think we target the area necessarily. Yeah. Um, we, we people approach us and we we accept. Yeah. Where where do you see um, Sarah Stribley going? Forward. I mean, if yeah. I said to you, where, where, where are the areas that you'd love to be exploring? I mean, are you working on hotels? Are you working on yeah, so retail development? We, we, start, we, we do have a hotel project that I can't really talk about. No, but, that's okay. <laughs> um, but we are looking to that, that space, which is really exciting for us. Um, I think diversity in any architecture practice is, is really crucial to uh, future development of, of a firm. So we're looking to diversify as much as possible. We've we've had some um, recent retail showrooms that we've been completed with uh, winning appliances, one in Richmond and one in uh, Chadson, which has been a new frontier for us, which we've been really proud of, and they're both lovely projects with some really great design attributes to them. So we're probably looking to explore that side as well. But um, where we want to be in a couple of years, I, I think it's 
Um, we want to be doing better projects, maybe some bigger projects. So um, let's see where that, how yeah. that may happen. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm not really a big believer in planning for the future. I think it's more a case. I mean, for me, yeah. architecture firms are you're only as good as your next project. So you know, as long as we continue to service our clients well and produce good work, that's kind of what I'm, okay. Chris and I are both interested in. Do you kind of work together on projects, or do you take? We're very se- different. <laughs> We're completely different. Um, so what, you do certain things and he does other yeah, things? Yeah, so we, the way our office is structured, we, my, my skill set's always been design and, and the front end and probably more the business side of things. And, and Chris is, is an absolute expert in delivery, so documentation, design development, being on site. And that's really how we've, we've split our roles up from, from day one. And even today, we still do, we work, you know, in that way. Um, so we do have design teams and we've got delivery teams. Uh, there is obvious, obviously uh, crossovers. Um, so there are some, there obviously are some synergies there. And we do work together, but not not together. On design. Pop- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I think we'll probably hear even more about you going forward. So, um, <laughs> um, but look, thanks so much for coming on to the program. No problem. You've been listening to Dom Serantonio and Stephen Crafty talking design at RMIT University Melbourne.